0: All right. Welcome back to the White Album Symposium Conference, and I'm pleased to be joined with, uh, by Katherine Cox, who received her Ph.D. in musicology at the University of Michigan, and I met her at the Altoona uh, conference that we did a couple of years ago. And then we met again at the White Owl All- or the Sgt. Pepper Conference, and here we are again. So uh, Catherine's a big George Harrison fan, and why don't you tell us a little bit about your dissertation work and your research?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, so my dissertation was on traumatic and nostalgic memory in 60s and 70s British rock, and really looking at how different British bands dealt with the cultural impact of World War II. So chapter one was about the Beatles and nostalgia, and how they mythologize the wartime experience and how that comes out in Magical Mystery Tour in different ways that emphasize their British national identity. So. Uh, chapter 2 was on The Kings. Chapter 3 was on The Who, and Chapter 4 was on Pink Floyd, but oh, wow. I know we are a particularly <laughs> Beatles-focused podcast. We are, we are, but
0: the rest of it sounds interesting, too. <laughs> it is.
1: Yeah. Um, but then my other great research interest is, of course, George Harrison and yes. his interest in Indian classical music, and I spent some time in India studying mm-hmm. uh, Indian classical music, Did
0: did you go to Rishikesh?
1: I have not been to Rishikesh
0: yet. (laughs) Yet? Okay.
1: (laughs) Not yet. That would be great. I was keeping an eye on the 50th anniversary celebrations, and uh, I think maybe I'll have to catch the 60th anniversary (laughs) (laughs) celebration. Might have to, yeah. Or 75th. Yeah. It's not
0: an easy place to get to, I don't think. No. So, oh, wow. (laughs) Well, uh, as we know, we're at the White Album Conference, and so I'm asking everybody about uh, some White Album things, and in particular, we'll start with George, since your uh, big interest is George's music uh, and contributions. So, looking at the George's four songs on the White Album, uh, kind of rank them in terms of, uh, let's say, interest and uh, your own personal favorites of the four so oh. and, and why
1: okay number one is absolutely while my guitar gently weeps I was okay. going to try to do it backwards <laughs> and start from four and count up uh-huh. um so we'll just start from one and count down so yeah. while my guitar gently weeps long 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 uh piggies and savoy truffle oh that,
0: okay yeah so why why number one and why number four
1: um so while my guitar gently weeps, it's just really interesting emotionally, and uh, George's vocal work in that with the crying at the end, yeah. the guitar weeping, yeah, <laughs> um, it's really evocative. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the number one. I also think it's an interesting compositional process where he's getting into uh, chance composition. Yeah. Um, just going based on the phrase gently weeps and then expanding out from there. Uh, I just think that was an interesting process. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's clearly working with different uh, modes of composition in this album. And uh, that one I find interesting. Um, number two, I said, was
0: oh, long, long, long. long. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's just so gentle yeah. and quiet and quiet <laughs> I think it reflects George well um, three I said was piggies uh, I like the political content of that and the commentary I know a lot of people uh, will claim that George Harrison was the quiet beetle and why he may have been well he may have been calm and <laughs> reserved but he did have very strong Opinions and yep. political opinions, and this comes out in Piggies. It mm-hmm. comes out throughout his uh, musical output. So, Piggies is a really good example of that. Um, Savoy Truffle <laughs> is just number four because
0: <laughs> you don't like sweets. <laughs> I,
1: I'm <laughs> no, I like savories. I prefer savory. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, I've just never really gotten into that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the story of uh, Eric Clapton, his teeth hurting every time he eats it. I just think about that every time I'm hearing the song, and like, why would you, why would you put yeah. yourself through that torture just for chuckles? That's a very
0: good question. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a weird song. It's one that's never really done a lot for me either. I found the we talked about it on our podcast, but I found the recording of it very gritty and kind of bad quality or something. It's yeah, kind of just a,
1: immediately as it comes in, that dismal, little nasally, yeah,
0: cream. nasally. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, it just I doesn't, don't know
1: if I want that truffle. <laughs> no, no.
0: Especially if it hurts like yeah, that. Yeah, goodness. Yeah. Well, that's, that's okay, That that uh, I, I'd probably go about in the same order, I think. Okay. Uh, and then thinking about the White Album as a whole, uh, kind of what's your opinion in the Be- in its position in the Beatles' output? Uh, where do you do you think it's? You know, we've talked so much a heard at the conference. Some people think it's the greatest album because it's got so much diversity, and other people think it's too disjointed and doesn't hold together. But if, of the Beatles' 13 real released albums, where do you? put the White Album in your...
1: Where do I personally rank it? Yeah, personally
0: rank it, yeah. (sighs) And why?
1: Okay. I end up being kind of a Beatles extremist. Mm. I like their very early work, and I like their very late work. Mm -hmm. So White Album, for me, occurs right before the stuff that I really like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that puts me in the minority here at this conference. Mm -hmm. Abbey Road is my absolute favorite album, Mm -hmm. and um, this to me is uh, like it's interesting in that you're getting all four Beatles kind of showing their cards as composers and uh, working toward different uh, solo styles that will emerge in the later decades, but um, it doesn't have the Part of emotional development or cohesion that I hear in Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is my personal opinion. Okay, <laughs>
0: so that makes sense. So if it's somewhere, if it's uh, if you're saying Abbey Road's number one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and what's your least? What would be number thirteen? Then
1: Ooh. I
0: know it's hard. They're all that they're all hard. our children, but still. Yeah. I'm trying to think, would White Album be sort of number 10 or...
1: It, for me, White Album does get a bit closer to the bottom of the okay. list than the top. I'm trying to be very politic. That's very... <laughs> because
0: <laughs> and that's, this
1: is a White Album conference. This is conference. the
0: White Album conference. That's true. <laughs> this is true.
1: <laughs> One thing that I do find kind of curious about the White Album and interesting, so... Uh, and there have been a couple of sessions on this, uh, the Beatles being in India before the White Album mm-hmm. and spending all this time in India and uh, creating so many of their compositions there. And it's interesting to me that you don't come back with an album that sounds like an Indian yeah. album, an Indian classical album. There are a lot of other ways that their time in India has, of course, influenced But you think about if you had four musicians go, like, think about four undergraduate musicians or something going to, well, the Beatles, of course, are at a much higher level than undergraduates, but like, just 20 somethings going to India to study for a long time Mm -hmm. and uh, just having that really in depth experience and then coming back and everything sounding more like American styles or avant-garde mm-hmm. um, I, I find that interesting yeah. I'm just curious from a musician's perspective
0: do you think maybe it was because they were already tapped out or they kind of felt that I, mean... I
1: think a lot of the Indian musical influence of course was uh George Harrison's contribution and I don't think that it was that he was tapped out I think he had found other Mm. outlets for it like doing the Wonderwall soundtrack Mm -hmm. and then uh, preparing his works for eventually what would become All Things Must Pass and then also collaborating with Ravi Shankar I think that since he had found those musical outlets and also realized that he was never going to be a great sitar player (laughs) so he should go back to the guitar um, there are some interesting guitar ornamentations that I hear from Harrison on White Album and uh, later works that do sound like the kind of gamaka and uh, uh, string ornamentations that you put on a vina or a sitar. Mm. Uh, I think the Western ear often tracks them as sounding uh, like uh, country uh-huh. music. Uh-huh. But there are a lot of ways that those bends and the stretches yeah. sound like Indian classical music as well, and those kind of ornaments. So I'm, I'm wondering if that hmm. influenced his guitar playing more than uh, we've given it credit for.
0: Sounds like another good paper topic for another <laughs> conference.
1: Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps.
0: <laughs> well, very interesting. So thank you for sharing your thoughts on the White Album. And Uh, We have another conference uh, apparently scheduled for next year on Abbey Road. My
1: favorite album. Your favorite (laughs) album. So we'll
0: look forward to revisiting this again and talking about Abbey Road. Sounds
1: good. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast today.
0: You're welcome. So thank you very much, Catherine, and we'll be off to the next interview soon. I am back here with a couple more interviews with attendees of the White Album Symposium at Monmouth University, and I'm joined by... Gabe Bluebell
2: and, and Katie Keperch.
0: Very good. Yes, two presenters, and Katie was in fact one of the organizers of the, the conference and... Uh,
2: programming.
0: Programming, yes. Okay, very good. Uh, we are just about ready to hear Mark Lewison's keynote address tonight, which is called Double Lives Between the Beatles Grooves. And there's a nice. Uh,
2: Warning, this talk contains nudity. Uh oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so who knows what we're going to
3: find here? I mean, probably probably John and Yoko. Okay. Yes. We're,
0: we are also now joined by our third member here. I'm Aviv Kamai.
3: Very good. <laughs> yes. And my best
0: podcast voice. Excellent. Excellent. So I've been asking uh, people a couple of questions. This is our conference on the White Album. So I'd like all of you to talk about. Two things. What you think are the strongest two songs on the White album, and the least strong songs on the album? So we'll start with that. So kind of your two, top two and bottom two.
2: Okay. Well, so I'm gonna go with Rocky Raccoon uh, as the top oh, sh- because Rocky Raccoon, a great like, I mean, as I argued in my talk, it's up there with the King Arthur legend,
3: mm-hmm.
2: cuckolding. Power struggles A woman that's so powerful She renames herself In literature those are the hallmarks Of reclaiming power So I'm going to go with Rocky Raccoon for a top Okay. Second topper most
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, Happiness is the warm gum Third topper oh. Even though it's not what you asked for Savoy truffle Because Harrison is fixating On Clapton's mouth
0: I'm
3: sensing a theme here, Katie. <laughs> do you do you have some kind of agenda? <laughs> you're you trying to you're trying to make us think about something. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay.
0: So we'll yeah. So those are okay, your top. Okay, so
2: that's my that's me starting out.
0: Okay, very good, Gabe. Top.
3: Yeah, top songs here. So, I'm gonna say Mother Nature's Son as one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I I I've always felt that the 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 brass adds this kind of the brass and like the heavy reverb on the drums adds this kind of creepiness to the song mm. like it's you know on the one hand you could say oh it smooths it out mellows it out and, so, and it's a pretty song but i don't know they hold these these long tones as this drum beating in the distance it ends on this dominant seventh i think these are all things that kind of weight the song in a certain way that mm. i kind of really like it it's it's a pretty thing that becomes just a little bit like a little bit scary mm-hmm. um, and which is reasonable nature being scary and, yep. um, and I guess I'm gonna stick with this kind of frightened theme and also say long 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 um, um, yeah because I find I find that song terrifying
0: it is um,
3: <laughs> it's you know it's beautiful and, and invokes all of these ideas you know, when you think about the words, it invokes these ideas that are that are, you know, very very meaningful. But just that overall sound and 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 especially the last, you know, the kind of the, the wailing coda of the song. <gasps> <laughs> Yes. Just, like just, that. Like that. <laughs> just like that. That was not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was Katie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, and Long 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 is the end of the of the third side of the album. It's like you gotta like live with silence after that, which is really yeah. pretty striking. Um, a
2: novel.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: All right. Very yeah, good.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Those are my, th- yeah. yeah, my tops. Mm-hmm. All right, Aviv.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's very very difficult for me to go for favorites as my top, so I'll go for central to the project maybe, mm-hmm. and I think Revolution 9, I'm gonna do two for one, mm-hmm. Revolution Ooh. 1 and 9, they're kind of a combined piece for me, are very central to this whole project, it starts the project mm-hmm. um, the album will not be the same without Revolution 9 toward the end, it sort of puts you as a listener in this to me, as in this reflective mode I have to then go back trace my steps throughout the whole album how did I get there mm-hmm. when I get to Revolution 9 um, and I think it's uh, while it might be the track that a lot of people skip or don't put under <laughs> <laughs> um, you know mixtapes yes. <laughs> uh, but Revolution 1 and 9 as a, as uh, a unit Yeah. Um, as Lennon's major statement in the album in my opinion are uh, crucial to the project and, uh, and McCartney other top take is Blackbird ah yes uh, I think Blackbird's beauty is um, part of it is within how the metric irregularity is so smooth which happens in other Beatles tunes too but I think if you just fall for it in Blackbird you yeah. want to be I want to be in love with the song and the songwriter and mm-hmm. the singer and the guitar I'm in love with this song and I'm I, and, and that part of it is that um, drawing force, I think that um, the voice has. I think McCartney, mm. people talk about the guitar stuff in Blackwood, which of course is intricate and interesting. I think McCartney's voice and how it's double tracked in that little bridge section. Um, I fall for it. Yeah, very
0: good. So for the sake of time, let's pick our bottom song number thirty on the album here if you had to pick a song that that Chris would call a skipper uh but a song that maybe doesn't quite do it for you so who would like to start with this one Katie do you want to start
2: I uh, this is not anything I would skip or leave out or I don't think is important in fact I do think it's important for understanding the very next album is I I will as I talked about um is that it has a kind of transactional love theme. Mm-hmm. My love, condition on yours, you're going to be waiting. It's it it's it's not this is not unconditional love. This is this is a transaction. And that's the same kind of trick that Paul will play on us with the end, which everyone thinks is this grand statement on love. Yeah. Which is actually not. It's actually pretty manipulative. Ooh. Um uh, it's a, it's, it's not, a it's not, yeah. it's a transaction. Yeah. And so it's not like, it's not free. He has other great love songs that are free, even if they're silly.
4: Mm-hmm. It's still
2: like free, it's still free. <laughs> um, And it's still vulnerable, but these songs are not vulnerable love statements. Mm. And so I, I'm not going to say that should be left off or anything like that. It's not like, it's not beautiful, but it's one I, I would... Raise a finger, too. Yeah,
0: yes. understandable. As Paul yeah. would. As Paul would on his, <laughs> on his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> his <lips. laughs>
3: okay. So, I, I I kind of hate myself for even suggesting this. <laughs> and I, I don't want to, but I am forced in this situation to make a decision. Yes. And I think that decision needs to don't pass me by and I say I hate this because I am on a pro Ringo crusade. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. I feel like Ringo sounds very apologetic. Mm. I, well, no, I'm just saying like Ringo Starr doesn't get enough love, and my fact and and you know my decision here has nothing to do with the Ringo ness of it. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's 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 a wonderful thing about it. It's just its place on the album is such that it. I feel like it draws attention to itself and in doing so it draws attention to all of the aspects of the production and, mm. and, 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 orchestration that are a little, you know, they could have thought on that maybe a little uh, bit more, uh, you know, maybe try to something a little different with the fiddle, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe get like, you know, I, it's, I feel like there were ways, there were other ways of doing that song that would have reflected better on, on, on them and on Ringo. Uh, um, and you know, so it's it's you know I'm 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 glad that it's there uh, at the very least for the sake of Ringo representation. Um, I just kind of wished that just like today we've got to do some makeup work for, for <laughs> our, our understanding and appreciation of Ringo Starr's role in the band. I feel like you know, likewise at the time it would have been good, good and nice to to have
4: maybe gotten that song up to where it really ought to have been. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And Aviv. Okay, don't do it, please, Dave. But I. Okay. You're doing it to us. Um, (laughs) Look. Again, I would not skip it. Yes. Not saying it's a bad song. Not saying it shouldn't be there. But I think maybe the least white albumy tune on the white album is Obla Da, in my opinion. Interesting. I think it's um, as it was considered perhaps as a single. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see why mm-hmm. I think the White album will stay with the White album without whereas without Revolution 9 I think it will not stay with the White album um, so that's what I yeah, interesting. that's what I think. just the general um, atmosphere in it as much as there's a lot of diversity within the types of atmosphere we hear on the album I think is not essential to the album as a whole project I would like I, to say that I'm proud of us as a group <laughs> not having said honey
3: pie, or uh, wild, or loud, or right? wild honey pie. Yeah. I love wild honey there, pie. Yeah. There's been a lot <laughs> of honey pie related angst at this there conference. has. Yes. <laughs> All right.
0: first, please. Well, before we, <laughs> before we close off and get ready for Mark Lewis, and my final question is, if you're looking at the Beatles' mm-hmm. overall career and their their recording output, uh, where do you feel that well, the white album fits.
3: I think I'm I I'm going to start. Okay. I, I have decided <laughs> because I think I'm gonna I'm gonna rank it by not ranking it in the sense that I think you can do a kind of multi-parametric ranking in the sense that. I think there's some things that the White Album does the best. I think there's some things that the White Album does less successfully. Mm-hmm. In terms of kind of virtuosic production, which is something that we think of in relation to the Beatles, you know, it's somewhere in the middle maybe. Okay. Um, in terms of kind of effect, because I, what I part of what I care about is large scale structure and kind of what the overall experience is like of listening to this thing. I'm gonna mm-hmm. put it kind of in a in a in a group with with with. Everybody else, which is another way in which I'm not going <laughs> to answer the question. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I think, I guess, I, I guess it's, I, sense. I, I don't Look, know. I'm let ra- me put it this way. Yeah.
0: Let me put it this way. If you had to uh, summarize the White Album in one sentence. Uh, oh. Hold
2: on, wait. Yeah. Well, impotence, but. I uh, <laughs> have already done sentence. that. Yeah, uh, um, but what I was thinking, uh, uh, this has been a great conference, there's lots of great ideas, and mm-hmm. we still have another morning of papers, but I'm actually wondering, like, I don't even think we've scratched the surface mm-hmm.
0: no, I agree. of getting no. to the
2: complexity of this album and the different styles, and it defies that one sentence. Mm-hmm. It, defies yeah. the, it defies the thing that Pepper did because we went to Pepper and we heard A Day in the Life like a hundred times. <laughs> yes. And got
4: sick of because
2: it. Because... Uh, no, we really it, did. It, it, yeah. We did get sick of it.
4: Yeah.
2: I mean, it, <laughs> we but did it really... It, it did it. Yeah. And like, yeah. But we can't capture the White Album That's in a really song important. like that. And so yeah. it's, it's like... I actually, I want to do more yeah. now, and I me too. want to go off and listen to the remixes yes. and the, 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 the touched up Easter demos. Yeah. And, and I think there's more. Yes. So, the moreness, the more-ness.
3: I, I would like that. say that
2: that would give us that, 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 ranks it up pretty high.
3: Yeah. For me. yeah. Well, and part of what has been really interesting about the conference is also, you know, <laughs> we don't have, we, we're not all talking about a day in the life, but we are. I, I've noticed a lot of people talking about similar things similar similar patterns and trends in the album but from different perspectives yeah
4: I there's yeah. a lot of people are searching for unity yeah. in the album that's um, hard to find that's known for like being disintegrated yeah. and not so unified um, I don't know I can give you a sentence though yeah. if you want if people if the cliche about Sgt. Pepper is some sort of an invitation a journey yeah. to go on a journey and you can see the album is a journey White Album to me is more like an invitation to a party ah. I, don't know, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if party is the first word that comes to mind when you think of the White Album but I think it's just um, I think the Beatles were happy in a lot of the tracks and I think yeah. it's some sort of I think it's kind of a fun album and fascinating as well in <laughs> yeah. so many ways so
0: yeah. I like that it's um, a good way to we are going to a party party we are yeah. going to a party party mm-hmm. in a few minutes yeah. here with Mark Lewison so Thank you so much for speaking with us, yeah, and we thank will, you. Uh, yes, we will uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, Dave. Thanks,